Thanks for joining us. Before we get started with the message, I want you to know that we really care about you and what's going on in your life. If you need prayer, please give us a call, send us an email, or connect with us on our app. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today, Pastor is diving in deep on a new series called Soul Destroyer. Let's face it, sometimes sin can be appealing, but even though it may look or sound good, it doesn't make it right. All sin leads to guilt, regret, shame, bondage, and addiction. And everyone thinks they can keep their sin under control, but soon enough, it will ruin your life. Let's see what Pastor has to say today in Justifying the Ungodly. I want to start way back in the beginning in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve's two sons bring offerings to the Lord, and God accepts one, but he doesn't accept the other. And the two sons are Cain and Abel. And there, there, there begins this, uh, this disagreement, and uh, Cain is vicious about this, right? In fact, he, bec- he, 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 how do we say it? He's taking out his frustration on his brother, and God says to him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And I want to talk to you today about ruling over it, ruling over sin. Uh, some time ago in the paper, there was an article. This was, well, not in the paper. What you, on, you know what I mean, on your device. <laughs> Who gets a paper anymore? They're like, okay. It says a 500-pound Belgium tiger kept in rural Pound County mauled and killed its owner at her residence. Authorities in East Central Minnesota said today that uh, Mrs. Grable, 52, was found late Thursday evening in the cage with her tiger that had killed her. Uh, Now, she was known for taking exotic animals and taking care of them and, and training them. But I imagine when she first got this tiger... It did not weigh 500 pounds. It probably weighed five pounds. Real cute. You know, she'd lay it on its back and just kind of rub its stomach, and it it would probably purr. But it did not stay a five or ten pound little baby tiger. It just grew and grew. I, I suppose when it was young, she could take it for a walk. right? But by the time it was 200 pounds, it took her for a walk. And eventually she thought, this thing, it's my pet, it's serving me. But the exact opposite happened. Uh, She ended up being a victim of the thing that she thought she could control. I think that's a good picture of sin. Sin starts out small. And we think that we can control it and take it for a walk. But it doesn't stay in that condition. We think, well, this is just going to be short term. I can control this. Or we think, I'm just going to try this. Ephesians 4, verse 22, says, The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. In other words, you don't take sin at a certain point and stay at that point. That thing keeps on growing. And ultimately, it will end up in control. Sin always wants to go deeper 
darker, harder, more than before. And you don't grow out of it. What people think is, I'll just do this for a little while and then I'll quit. But it doesn't work that way. In Proverbs 5, verse 22, it says that sin has cords. I like to say it this way. The danger of sin is you'll like it. You'll like it. And you'll try it for a while, but then you think you're going to leave, but then you can't leave. Right? And we're living, to, I don't know if you realize that, we're just living in a society where anything goes, but ultimately nothing satisfies. Right? Uh, the poet William Ernest Hensley said, I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. But the Bible says, don't you know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Just saying, when you present yourself to sin and you begin to participate with sin, you become the slave of sin. Again, Proverbs 5.22, he is caught in the cords of his sin. He thinks, I'm free, I did this for a while, I'm going to walk away. And he starts walking, not realizing that there's a, there's a chain on his leg and he just gets so far and that sin just hauls you right back in. Right? I think it's interesting in, in uh, Revelation 2 and verse 24, it says, Now to you I say, and the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put no further burden on you, and I will give him the morning star. I will give him the morning star. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this, that there is a reward for people who do not get involved in the depths of sin. I, I don't think there is a better testimony than to say, I, I started serving Jesus when I was young, and I served him all of my life, and I never got messed up in the stuff that other people got messed up in. That is the best testimony that anybody can ever have. And the Bible says there's actually a reward that goes with that. Jesus said there's going to be special recognition and a reward. And Hebrews 9, 1, verse 9, speaking of Jesus, it says, You loved righteousness... And hated lawlessness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. In other words, the, the world tells us that what brings joy and what brings gladness to your heart is sin, but the Bible tells us the exact opposite is true. It says, because you hated unrighteousness and you, you loved what was right. It says, therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Now, I know when, when, when a lot of people think about, about uh, religion, you know, they think about somebody who's mad. Right? That's what they think about. They, you know, somebody who's mad. You know, you're, you're, you're mad at this group, and you're mad at that group, and you're putting down this bunch of people, and you're putting down that bunch of people. Now, now, let me remind you, the Bible says that what God does is he justifies the ungodly. How many of you qualify? How many of you have done an ungodly thing or two? All right. All right. God, God, God justifies the ungodly. 
right? The, the, if you're here today and you're right with God, it means you were ungodly. You did, you did some ungodly things, right? You, you did things that were not right. But once you become a Christian, you're supposed to have grace towards people that are ungodly. Right? Not mad at them. As a Christian, you're not mad. At the, you think of the worst ten sins you can think of. You're not mad at them. Right? You, you pray that they get right with God. And you say there's a better way. Right? But you're not mad at those people. Right? You get mad when you think you justify yourself. Um, a couple of years ago, we, were, we had a, a, a group in Israel. We go every couple of years, take a bunch of people with us. And uh, it was Saturday morning. So if you're an Orthodox Jew or an ultra-Orthodox Jew, the Sabbath begins Friday at sunset and goes until Saturday sunset. So it's Saturday morning, and we are going through the Orthodox Jewish neighborhood in order to get where we're going, all right? Now, in, in Israel, they live in neighborhoods. Like if you're an ultra-Orthodox, you live in the ultra-Orthodox neighborhood, right? So we're driving our bus through there. And on the Sabbath, they do not get in cars. They don't take public transportation or any car on the Sabbath day. So we're going through the ultra-Orthodox neighborhood, right? And there is this ultra-Orthodox man on the sidewalk, with his child, he's, he's probably like five years old, and our bus goes by, and the guy flips us the bird. All right? Now, now he's being holy. He's keeping his rules. Right? Now, now look, uh, it's true about Christians, too. You know that, don't you? Rule keepers, they, they get mad at you. All right? They're not extending grace. They're not recognizing God saved me, a ungodly person, right? They're just, they're just into the rules, right? Now, Romans 3.20 says that no one has ever been made right with God by keeping rules, by obeying the law. No one, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, nobody has ever been made right with God by keeping the rules, right? Now, when you find somebody who's mad and religious, they're a rule keeper. They're a rule keeper, all right? When, when, when you live right because you love God, right? That's what Jesus did. Let me read it again. You've loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Now, not the lawless person, but sin. Therefore, God, your God, anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. Do you realize that people that love God and live for God because they love God, they ought to be the happiest people on the planet, right? Not mad at anybody, all right? But God said, I'll anoint them with gladness, right? Now, the thing about sin is this. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay. It always takes you farther than you want to go. And it always costs you more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. Right? What sin produces, sin produces guilt and shame and regret and bondage and addiction. So the Bible tells us in James 4, verse 7, 
Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And by the way, when do we resist the devil? All the time. All the time. Every time. Right? We love God. We serve God. And then it says, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. One of the things that we do today, mostly in the church, is we underestimate God's holiness. We underestimate God's holiness. Right? We think of sin as not being a big deal, when it is a big deal. We underestimate the cost of sin. We underestimate the results of sin in our lives. Now, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. You know, when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes and lives on the inside of you. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying that in yourself, you, you do not have enough willpower. No matter what you do, you do not have enough willpower to overcome sin. Right? You can say a thousand times, I will not do that again. And then you'll do it, I mean, you'll do it again. Don't lift your hand. Right? Because you, I'm just telling you, Dwayne Vanderklok does not have enough willpower to stop sinning. I don't, right? And if it's just me, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I will, and I will, and I will, and I will, right? And that's just not true about me. That's true about you. So what Paul says is this, that when we, be, when we are in Christ... It's no longer us that lives, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ or in union with Christ, they are a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, there's something new on the inside of you. You get a brand new heart, a new spirit. You are right with God. Now, here's the deal. Your spirit is right with God. Your spirit is going to want to do the right thing. But your body is a mess. And your mind is a mess. In fact, Romans 7 verse 23 says, The law of sin lives, abides, in your members or in your physical body. So your body, you, you, you say, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you are a Christian in your spirit. But your body is a heathen. Right? Your body has the law of sin in it, and your body is going to want to do the wrong thing. Right? So what has to happen is you need to start living out of your spirit and not let your body control you. In 1 John 3, verse 9, it says, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life 
is in them. Right? So here's what it means. It means that when you're a Christian, inside right here, this part of you, your spirit, is never going to agree with sin. Right? Now, I remember before I was a Christian. I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old. I went to church, but I wasn't saved. Right? And, and I would sin, and it did not bother me at all. In fact, when I got done sinning, I thought, when's the next time I can sin? Right? Because really what was happening was this. There was yuck on the, uh, in my body, and there was yuck on the inside, and it was just yuck, yuck. And all the yuck just agreed. All right? But when you become a Christian, God does something here on the inside. It says you become a brand new person, Living Bible says, on the inside. Your spirit is made new. The spirit of God comes in you. The life of God comes in you. And that part of you will never agree with sin. In fact, you just think about sinning, and that part of you goes, oh. Now, now listen. I smoke all I want. I take all the drugs I want. I commit adultery all I want. I sin all I want. You say, is this like a confession? No, I just don't want to. How many of you are like, let's go by the stop and go and rob it on the way home? <laughs> See, yeah, there's something in you that's just like, no, I don't want to do that. All right? That, that, so, so here's what the Bible says. It says, it says walk in the Spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, if you live out of here, right? He says, if this part of you will dominate your life, he said, then you will not have this part of you dominating your life, right? So, so what we as Christians have to do is we need to learn how do we live out of our spirit? How do we live out of our heart, right? Again, 1 John chapter 3 in verse 9, whoever's been born of God into God's family does not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they're children of God. Right? You're, you're, you're inside, it will never agree. There is an old song that says, trust and obey for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. You know what? The most miserable people, I think, are Christians because they've got the life of God on the inside, but they're not living it. They're letting their flesh dominate their life. Right? And so they've got one thing in their heart, but yet they're letting something else dominate their life. Right? And they're miserable. But if you're a sinner and you're messed up on the inside and you're messed up on the outside, it's just yuck, yuck, and you're happy. You're messed up. All right? Therefore, I said Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, You'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. And the, the Bible, interestingly, says that he is led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I mean, the purpose of his going out there was to be tempted. And by the way, the Bible says that he went into this, the desert full of the Holy Spirit. 
but he came out of the desert full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And what took place in between was a time of temptation. So Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him and says, if you be the Son of God, then do this. And Jesus, of course, said, it is written. And Satan tempts him again. And Jesus says, it is written. And then Satan tempts him again. And then the Bible says, Jesus said, it is written. It's written. And we're going to get to this a little bit later. But the way to defeat the enemy is to have God's word in your heart. Have his word in your heart. And then I think it's interesting, the Bible says, and then Satan left him for a more opportune time. For a more opportune time. Now, I remember when I became a Christian, I was 20 years old, and and I just thought, I'm just going to love God, I'm going to be so spiritual, I will never get tempted again. That didn't work, by the way. It did not work. In fact, I remember one time uh, at the altar, a guy came up and he said, I just want you to pray, Pastor, that I won't have any more temptation. And I said, Lord, kill him. No. (laughs) Because, listen, as long as you live in a physical body, right, as long as you're in a physical body, there is going to be temptation. So Jesus kept saying, it's written, it's written, it's written. Now, in Genesis... Chapter 3, Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve. And what, what Eve said, you know, God said, if we eat of that tree, we'll die. And here's what Satan said, you will not surely die. What Satan did was attacked the Word of God. He attacked the Word of God. And that is the exact same thing that he, he will do in your life and in my life. He will attack the Word of God. He said, it's not true. He might say, it's not for today. I mean, we're living in such a modern society. It's not for you. He will attack the Word and try to say, that is not for you. Now, in Jude, this is the New Testament, there's a little book called Jude, and the third verse says, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. What, what Jude is writing and telling us is that there is going to be an attack on the Word of God, an attack on the Word, to stop believing what you once believed, to start to believe that God's Word is irrelevant that it's outdated, that it does not apply to you and to me. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, I I love the book of Ephesians because it's one of the few books in the New Testament that were written to a church that had no problems. Not that that would be us by any means. But but this church is is really doing well, and there's no problems. and, And he deals with a number of different subjects But he comes in the uh, sixth chapter, the final chapter, to dealing with sin and standing, walking in victory. And uh, I just want to start with the uh, the 10th verse, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That goes back to what we were talking about with Galatians 2.20. 
It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. In myself, in yourself, you cannot stand against temptation. Ultimately, you're going to lose the battle, right? But we're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Whenever you think another person is the enemy, you're always wrong. People are never the enemy. But then he begins to talk about a hierarchy of evil spirits. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Talking about the spiritual army that we are fighting against or standing against. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. You know, sometimes you've done everything that you know to do and you don't seem to have a breakthrough yet. And the Bible says when that happens, having done all, just keep on standing. How many realize that God's timing is not always our timing? Right? But when we keep on standing, right, victory is on the way. Breakthrough is on the way. Having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember, when Satan was, when Satan, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, every time he used the Word of God. Every time he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now, as Paul is explaining here about standing against the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil, the temptations of the devil. He said to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, it is literally the only offensive weapon in the whole list. Everything else is defensive, right? But there's just one offensive weapon, and that is mentioned, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And again, where it says the Word of God, it is the Greek word rhema. Now, in, 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 in the Greek language, there's two different words translated Word of God. One's the word logos, which means the entire Bible. But the other is the word rhema, which means the word that God has quickened to you. That word that's alive on the inside of you. He's saying if we're going to stand against the enemy, we need to know the word of God. We've got to have it in our hearts, right? We've got to have revelation about the word. And it goes on saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I want to say something as we close that I've said already, but I want to make this very clear. Romans 4, verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Who does God justify? 
the ungodly. You see, if you've been made right with God, it's not because of your great behavior. God did not look down from heaven and say, oh, look at that one. They're so good. They're so special. It's going to be great if I could get them in my kingdom. Now, God looked down at you and thought, they are hopeless. They're absolutely hopeless. They're the ungodly, right? And I will send Jesus, and he will die in their place. He will shed his blood and pay for their sins. In fact, in Romans 4, verse 25, it says, He, that's Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses. And he was raised because of or when we were justified. In other words, the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead means that your sin and my sin is 100% completely paid for. In fact, it says you're justified. It means to be made just as if I had never done it. Just as if I'd never done it. Because he paid a complete and total price. The Bible says in Hebrews that he obtained an eternal redemption for us. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, not because of our performance, but because we believe that Jesus paid the price for our sin and surrendered to him. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by our behavior. It's not by our sacrifice. It's not by some price that we pay. It's because he paid it all and we receive what he did for us. I'm so glad that you've been with us today. And I believe that God is speaking to you. And it may be that you know in your heart you're not right with God. You're not forgiven. In fact, the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. You know, some people just think, well, I hope I'm a Christian. I hope I'm forgiven. I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says to know that you have. See, in fact, if you don't know that you're right with God, know you're forgiven, you're not where you should be with God. And if you're away from the Lord, you don't know where you stand with God, I want to invite you right now to pray a prayer, to receive the forgiveness Jesus offers, and to give your life to Him, to surrender your life. Just take and make these words your own. Just speak these words out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I believe he's coming again. Today I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. And today I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I surrender to Jesus. He is my Lord. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever in Jesus' name. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you really are forgiven and part of the family of God. Now, God wants us to keep growing spiritually, and I have a book that I've written called Your New Life, and I want to give you a copy absolutely free. And this book is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually, keep walking by faith, keep living a life that's pleasing to God. Uh, You can download the book absolutely free. Just get online and I know it's going to bless you. 
Thank you for being with us. God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Justifying the Ungodly in the WBF Store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the on-demand page. We'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith in your life. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Tune in next time when Pastor will talk on Satan's devices. Have a great week.